0: are live. It is Thursday, November 18th, 2021, five o'clock PM. And uh, the other day, yesterday I arrived home and there was a package and I knew it was a dog shirt. I was very excited because I thought it was finally gonna be the fluffy poodle shirt that I ordered a while ago and still has not come. The Fluffy Poodle shirt is the shirt that I think really needs to be worn on in lieu of fun. And I opened the package expecting the Fluffy Poodle shirt. And instead, there was a shirt that was even more challenging to one's masculinity to put on than the Fluffy Poodle shirt. It is um, what Genevieve de La has dubbed the canine chorus shirt in honor of the Greek chorus. Uh, for those of you who can't see, it even has flowers. There's and even a little, little
1: Nina. That looks like uh, it's a got Nina
0: a, dog. It, it has Nina, yeah. And it's got, uh, you know, a pit bull over here. And it's got a butterfly and a goose That's flying a by. And all the dogs are really excited. Um, and uh, yeah. uh, also, <laughs> it's one size too small for me. So every wrinkle in my chest kind of bursts through it. Uh, I feel ridiculous, and, you,
2: a, a and I'm comfortable. <laughs> and I'm comfortable with that. What's up with that?
0: Um, I don't know. We are not allowed to have fun anymore. We are allowed to have the canine chorus shirt. We are allowed to make Shane Harris uncomfortable while by wearing it while he plays. Uh, where's the lie? Uh, Shane is the intelligence correspondent the washington post the host of lawfare's new chatter podcast an enemy of the people a friend of the show welcome back shane i just want to point out to you that 52 percent of the audience thinks you're lying and you haven't spoken a day. word yet <laughs> <laughs> this is a real
3: vote of confidence in american journalism. one of them Everybody. was me Thanks.
1: just to give you a hard oh, time good. yeah good. so
3: do you, have, do you have a um, fruit fly was it a fruit fly?
1: Yeah, it was one of those, it's worse, it's one of those little fungus flies that's like from like watering your plants. Anyway.
0: So um, if you want to be on the panel, flag yourself in the uh, ask a question box. I will uh, come get you um, and uh, bring you on screen. You will be uh, hidden for a while while Shane tells his story. Remember the rules, people. You are allowed to change your vote at any time. You are not allowed to Google any facts in Shane's story. Any, like, that's cheating. Looking stuff up, you can't do real time fact checking. We live in a pre internet age in all ways except Crowdcast.
1: But we are uh, allowed, you are allowed if you have a particular expertise or knowledge to share it in the chat. To to
0: absolutely, absolutely. Um, every member of the panel will get three questions to Shane. Kate will get three questions to Shane. I will get three questions to Shane. And then we will all decide whether Shane is full of shit or not. Shane so, yeah, Harris. I
3: mean, not
0: as a general matter. Not as a general matter. Um and being full of shit is not a bad thing. Um, you know, on this show. In fact, I think the, the best the best performances on this show tend to be people who are lying and convince the audience. Do you remember
1: Tom Nichols? God. Tom
0: Nichols was great. And John Roush. John Roush, uh, you know, that was brilliant. All right, so Chen, the floor is yours. I'm gonna, it, uh, I'm gonna make you big. We're gonna be little.
3: Okay. More painted. I,
1: I
0: love it. Do I
3: seem, do I seem more truthful or less truthful with these on?
0: Well, you seem a little less truthful because we can see the reflection of the screen, and In it the... gives you a a, a a vaguely demonic air.
1: I don't know. Well, you, yeah. I do like those glasses, though, Shane. I vote yes for those glasses.
3: Okay, well, thank you. These are like the blue light glasses that I should wear, but then my doctor was like, whatever. You don't believe that stuff. Um, yeah. Okay, so, <clears throat> so my story. Um, it, it Springboards off of a question that I often get asked, which is a funny question. Um, well, it's a variation on a, reg- on a question you would expect somebody to ask. But more than once, well, more than several times, I have been asked by people who I thought understood like the process for how one goes about getting a job in government, do you have a security clearance? and i have to just explain to them that you know like no journalists do not have security clearances like we don't like that this is not a thing that happens uh for a working journalist um but it does raise this very interesting question that then follows on where people will say oh well did you ever think about like actually like going to work for the cia or going to work for the fbi or these places that you covered and um i've never actually answered that question directly because the question is actually a little weird and a little uncomfortable uh, for reasons that will become apparent. Uh, The answer, which I can talk about now, because we were thinking about doing this as a story in the paper and for various reasons, we've opted not to, so I'm not scooping myself here. Um, But the answer to the story, have you ever thought about working for the government? The answer is yes, Uh, I tried to, and I was rejected because I could not obtain a security clearance. So you kind of see how these things dovetail around. So whenever people would ask me this very obvious question, I think obvious, and you're a journalist who covers law enforcement and intelligence, have you ever thought to work for them, never actually said the answer is yes, and I tried to. So I'm going to tell you the story of how I tried to go work for the FBI. Um, this is in late 2000, well mid to late 2002, and at the time i was a pretty still pretty green kind of cub reporter for a magazine and a website in washington called government executive which is still around govexec.com and this basically was is the magazine that covers the federal bureaucracy it's sort of the ins and outs of federal programs and management issues. It's kind of like what Business Week, when it was Business Week, would be like for people in government. And I was initially hired in 2001 as the um, junior information technology reporter. So this is before 9-11, when the big stories were in technology and government were things like uh, government agencies building websites to deliver citizens to services, like the IRS making it so you can automate your tax return. Um, you know, like what the DOD is going to do with, like, you know, I mean, cloud computing probably wasn't a thing back then, but you, know, you get the idea, sort of fairly nuts and bolts techie stuff. Uh, and I was covering that beat, and particularly on the side of procurement and contracting. So a lot of the big companies that build computers for the government. happens and the IT beat kind of becomes immediately suffused with all of these people trying to sell, you know, as they would call it, national security solution sets. Uh, Basically, like, you know, data management software to the intelligence community and to the FBI as a way of helping them, you know, harness the information that they had sitting in their databases, which was often, you know, Potentially very useful intelligence, as we learned after the 9/11 attacks, but that wasn't being shared across agencies, and in many ways was like inaccessible or hard to get to even within the agency. So my IT beat kind of becomes a national security beat, and that's actually when I first started writing about national security. And in late mid late 2002, um, my editor assigned me to do a story on the FBI's just like chronic problems that they have had with modernizing, as they would put it, which is the word that I I come to hate, modernizing their information technology systems. And like, these are stories that are now pretty widely known, but like at the time of the 9-11 attacks, the FBI was still operating on computers with green screens. I mean, these were ancient devices, Um, all kinds of reasons for why that was that we don't have to go into. Um, It wasn't a security thing. It was just like a being backwards about technology thing. Um, And they were really, really behind the curve and had to very quickly speed up. And Bob Mueller made this like a big, big priority. So this was kind of like, you know, an easy story for me to do. And so I was assigned it. So, you know, I do what I always do. You know, you call the press office, you set up some interviews. The FBI was actually very happy to talk about this subject because they wanted to show that they were actually doing something about it. So I went down. And there was like, you know, it's the, the standard thing when you go into Hoover Building, you have like a press officer. And there were two people from like essentially the program management office for this. And there was one person who, uh, you know, an agent who kind of was the in the weeds person who could give all the technical stuff. And then there was somebody who is a bit more senior to her who was kind of in the more of a manager type, I guess. I mean, a program manager, but not a techie, if that makes sense. So somebody who, you know, probably was actually happy to have a journalist there because probably wanted to get a lot of the glory for the whole thing. So we do the interview. It's very straightforward. It goes really, really well. Like, it's one of those interviews where you're asking questions and the interview and the subject is like, that's such a good question. Or like, you know, like no one ever asked that question. I'm so glad you asked it. Uh, And there was a real rapport going among the three of us. And it was a really productive conversation. The thing ends up, uh, and the press officer gets ready to take me out. And the guy who's the program manager says, well, that's okay. I'll walk Shane out." I was like, "Oh, cool. We'll continue the conversation on the way out the front door." It's really neat. So we're kind of like walking out, and uh, as we get to the exit, um, he says, "So, so are you happy in journalism? Are you enjoying this? You seem like you you enjoy it." Uh, and I was like, "Yeah, you yeah, know, it's 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 a it's a pretty good job." And he's like, "Well, um, I think I'd like to stay in touch with you because." Um, I think I saw something in that room there. You were very good at asking questions. You're very thoughtful. Uh, and I think that you should have give some consideration to coming to work for us. And it was kind of like, oh, I mean, I mean, I was flattered, I think, and a little bit taken aback by that. And he did this really weird thing, which was very kind of like, it was threw me off my balance a little bit. Where he took the, I had my visitor badge like clipped onto my lapel and he reaches over and he takes the badge off of me and he says, "I'll be getting in touch." Um, to be honest, I thought he was hitting on me for a second, which was a little weird, but it didn't it didn't have like a creepy vibe, but it had like a weird like like you're being tapped kind of vibe. you know like you know he wants to have a conversation with you later. And it was a little bit intimidating, but it was kind of neat. So I go home and I'm like kind of puzzling over this interaction, but it gets me thinking like, what would that be like if I actually decided to, rather than cover FBI or even another intelligence agency actually to go work there? um, Would I be interested in doing that? And- So wait, wait.
0: can I I just clarify a question? Did he give you any indication of what capacity he was recruiting you not in yet. was this like a, a public affairs guy
3: no this was not the public affairs guy this was the program manager guy who walked me out and told the public affairs guy to go away so this so is like, like a...
1: legit spook guy ish or not
3: spook yeah guy-ish. like he's your age, fbi he's probably like okay. 45 i was probably like at the time what would i have been like 25 26 maybe mm-hmm. um uh, and so he's kind of like putting on the heavy kind of thing. <clears throat> but it's a little bit of that, again, like you feel like you're being sort of like tapped into a secret society conversation. It's like, have you ever considered working for your government? Um, and he didn't give any indication at the time. So like about, I would say a good six weeks go by. I never hear from the guy. <clears throat> um, and I just think it's like fluky and whatever. And he just was like, talking out of his ass and or somebody told him this is a terrible idea. I have no idea. But the point is, is that like, I was sort of open-minded to the idea. And I I'd actually had a couple of conversations with friends, not with my bosses, because I was terrified that they would think that like, you know, I was about ready to quit or that I was going soft or something of like, could you actually do this? And like, there are instances of journalists who have gone to work for government I'm not aware of that many where they've then gone back into journalism, but it does happen. I mean, it, it's like, um, uh, who's the guy, uh, ABC news, the, the terrorism correspondent who became like the chief of police's strategy. Right. And strategy. there's
0: also like the David Gergen types, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, who, yeah. Um, who kind of drift in and out of white houses. Cool.
3: Right. So anyway, so six weeks go by. I figure nothing's going to come of this. Um, i'm working on I, f- I think i finished the fbi story and i started to get i was started working on another story um which was a really cool story that was also about the fbi about this um uh kind of the, the like the first computer virus that the fbi ever tracked down before the 9 11 attacks uh and they worked with the cia to do it and so i'm like you know in the, i'm very much in the fbi cia techie space And of course, as I'm working on reporting this stuff, I'm just kind of like, oh, this is really interesting. God, I'm writing with these interesting people doing this stuff. What if I were actually the one doing it? And you kind of, your mind goes there and you sort of entertain the possibility. So six weeks go by, he calls me back out of the blue uh, and says, um, I wanna continue the conversation that we had. So we go down to this like coffee shop. that's like right around the corner from 10th and Penn where the Hoover building is. And he says to me, like, look, the Bureau is very interested now, post 9-11, in trying to recruit people who don't necessarily have the same sets of skills that a traditional agent would. He said, I'm not recruiting you to be an agent, but I think that there is a path for you to be, like, an analyst, basically. Um you already know a lot about technology. I was very clear, by the way, that I was like, I'm not interested in like going to work like on the FBI's computer modernization plan. He was more thinking of me as like a journalist who's kind of a synthesizer of information. And Would I be interested in being an analyst? And they, I was young, you know, um, uh, uh, you know I kind of understood how people communicate, I guess he thought. So anyway, for whatever reason, he thought you're kind of a natural fit for this and you should try it. <clears throat> and dangled out, by the way, the possibility of like, you know, and of course, once you're in the Bureau, if you down the road, like in two or three years, wanted to apply to be a special agent, that would be something that you might be positioned to do. So it's not just like come be an analyst. It's like you one day might be like Fox Mulder or whatever. Um, and it honestly, like it, Alien? it kind of sold me. Well, maybe right. if I, I did not ask if I get to work on the X-Files, that was clearly a mistake on my part. Um, and honestly, he kind of sold me on it. And, you know, it was, it was like 80% excitement of being an agent, right? And I was young and like, to be perfectly candid, was working at a magazine that like was not a particularly well-known magazine. And I'm like, is this the thing that I'm going to keep doing for the rest of my career? Or or would this be more exciting? Um, and then there was like a little bit of a 20% of like patriotism and you're serving your country. And like, look, I mean, it was, it was I, by that time, I think it was probably a year after 9-11, less than that. So I will admit that, yes, there was an element of having written about these people for you know up to a year now of kind of an admiration for what they did. So I said, like, OK, let's do it. And I began the process of applying to work for the FBI, um, which is a very lengthy process. You know, there is the standard, you know, in addition to your application, of course, there is the very rigorous background check that has to go on. Um, I go through, you know, all of the standard stuff. He warns me ahead of time. He's like, this is going to take a while. Um, Do not inform your employer that you're doing this, which made me a little bit nervous, but then I kind of understood that, like, that's probably pretty standard, too. Like, you know, like, you're not supposed to tell people you're applying for the CIA. and we go through this, and you know, one of the things that's coming up in the in the course of the background checks is obviously, you know, like what are your foreign contacts? Like, you know, have you lived abroad? Do you have relatives abroad? You know, and I had studied in Spain my junior year of college, junior semester. So like I put down all the people that I lived with. I, I remembered all the names of my professors. I was still in touch with the host family that I had lived with like five or six years earlier. So that was all very easy. And it felt like I'm being extremely thorough about this. I'm a journalist. I cross T's and thought I's. I know how to do all that. Um, we go through everything. They do the polygraph, which was ex- like actually very unnerving <laughs> uh, and kind of scary because they do the poly and it's like you go through it and then they come back and ask you questions about questions you already answered and basically implying that you haven't been truthful about the question. So we went through that little song and dance now, which now I know is like largely designed to kind of trip you up and maybe even to set some baselines. And I don't think there's anything wrong with the questions, but it's kind of scared the shit out of me and made me question like, am I really doing the right thing? These people are kind of probing into my life. You know, if I I say something that turns out to be incorrect in a polygraph, am I going to get in trouble? all the while remembering like i'm still working on reporting about the fbi while i'm applying to work for the fbi and my employers don't know this and it's and kind did of,
0: you feel like this was ethically dicey yes
3: yes uh, yeah and i think it was um and that was giving me pause but at the same time it felt like we were getting so far down this road and like he had kind of leaned on me and like selected me. And I was feeling like somehow I owed it to this guy to go through with this. And it was, it was a very mixed bag of emotions. And like, I already have like just a tendency to try and over please. And so I think that was taking over. Anyway, we go through the whole thing and just like nothing happens, nothing happens. And it's like weeks are going by and I'm not hearing anything. And I'm, kind of of the mode, like, well, this must be normal because it's taken so damn long up to this point. I'm just waiting for like the thing to process. And I guess do they call and like, give you like offer you a job? I mean, I mean I, my understanding was that like, once you go through the process, then you're kind of like, these are the things that you're qualified to apply for that you can go apply. People can look at your resume. It was kind of opaque to me, honestly, um, but all this time goes by. And then the agent, this guy calls again. And he says, "Listen, uh, you know, I need to I need to see you again." So we go to this coffee shop again, and he says, "You know, I'm not really supposed to talk to you about this, um, but I'm just going to let you know, it's not going to work out. Uh, and you know, you should consider going ahead and withdrawing your application." And I'm like super freaked out, but actually kind of pissed at this point. Because I feel very jerked around, like you say you want to offer me a job, you give me this whole song and dance about, you know, post 9-11 and Americans have a calling and we're changing our ways and you're a young person and you're innovative and a real thinker and whatever. And like, and I go through all this torment of filling out these goddamn forms of this like stupid lie detector test or whatever the hell it is. And now you're telling me it's not going to work out. And I kind of really went into frankly reporter mode and got much more aggressive than I ever had been with people up to that point, which kind of like, in the end, this is kind of like, but it was a useful growth exercise as a reporter and essentially said to him, you know, you need to tell me why I am being rejected. Like I did everything that you asked. I disclosed everything. And while he was not completely forthcoming, he made very clear that the FBI, and I guess in the course of my background check, maybe some other way, had become aware of people that I was in contact with overseas for the story that I was writing about the FBI catching this hacker who ultimately was determined to be based in London. Um, the most he would tell me was that there are people who we are aware of overseas, you know, bad actors, who say they are in contact with you. And you know, I am then thinking like, wait a minute, what you're, mis- you're you are mistaken somehow. You think the people I'm talking to, like who are my sources, who I'm talking to for this story, are somehow like foreign agents that I'm in contact with right like you're not you're missing something like no and i'm suddenly faced this moment where wait a minute i think i know what he's talking about i had been in touch for this story with like some shady people who were based overseas and knew about a piece of this operation which the fbi ultimately busted i was talking to them completely off the record and then i'm sitting here thinking wait a second like this is where my mind goes like was this entire thing some elaborate ruse to get me to disclose to the FBI who my sources are on this operation that they busted up two years ago. And I'm not going to reveal my sources to this guy. Like there's just no way that is happening, but he's kind of saying like, you know, listen, you know, I can't tell you everything, but like, you know, if you're forthcoming about this with me, maybe there's a way we can still salvage this thing. And so I'm immediately just thinking, oh my God, this is totally a trap. Like they have talked me into this whole application process solely for the purpose of disclosing these contacts and so i just like leave this meeting and like basically i was just very polite and whatever uh and said you know um no thanks but no thanks like at the end of the day like what has become so obvious to me is that like they were not trying to lay a trap for me Like, the the more I investigated this story, the more I realized it was like, this was a very open and shut case. I think at the end of the day, their ridiculous security clearance process could not compute the fact that, of course, a journalist is in touch with people overseas. Like, of course, I'm talking to weird, shady people. And I just genuinely think that they saw that and thought that I was some kind of computer hacker and that they had the paranoid conspiracy theory in mind and not me. Um, So yeah, it just died on the vine. I actually did a week later withdraw my application. There were no questions asked. Um, The only weird thing that I've never seen this guy again, by the way, and I've never applied to work for the government again. It left a very bad taste in my mouth. The only weird thing that is like a vestigial piece of his story is to this day, and I don't go very often down to the Hoover building, because I mostly am covering the CIA and the intelligence agencies. Every time I go down, and I do not have a hard pass for the FBI, by the way, I have to get cleared in every time I go, because it's it's rarely that I go. Every time that I go into that building, I get delayed at the security checkpoint. It's like being pulled over for secondary at TSA. And (laughs) rather than go through the whole rigmarole of this, this is the one good thing that this guy actually did for me is he said, if you ever have a problem, give the person this phone number. And every time I go into the Hoover building, I budget time for this because it takes 15 minutes or so. And they say, I'm sorry, like, are, did you call in for this? We need your social again. Or are, are you on the list? And I was like, I understand. Just do me a favor, call this number. And it's clearly the security office. And they call and and like there's some file where I am, where it's like, yeah, this guy's like a yellow flag, but don't worry, it's fine. He's cool. He's actually a reporter and not a hacker. To this day.
1: All right. Oh, my God, I have so many
0: questions. So I want to start uh, by noting the uh, uh, change in the poll over the course of the story uh, it started out almost dead even, a small minority uh, favoring the idea that you were lying. As you proceeded I in the story, no, the, the percentage thinking you were lying shot up as high as 56 percent. But by the end of the story, it is down to below 40 percent. Uh, so uh, you have at least pre-cross-examination uh, done yourself um, uh, a service with the audience, at least. Kate, um, uh, get us started. You have three questions.
1: Yeah, I'm going to use maybe two of them, but definitely one. I might wait for everyone else to ask questions. But my first question is How long have you and Ben been friends?
3: I met Ben in 2000. Six or seven, because Jonathan Roush introduced us when I was working at National Journal, and I started there in '05.
0: That's correct. It uh, uh, Jonathan Roush asked me to meet with Shane uh, shortly after I came to Brookings, so it would have been sometime in 2007.
3: Okay. And had I known Ben at the time, I would have sought his advice on this. My
1: second question is to Ben, which I don't think counts as a question. So Ben doesn't. doesn't whether or not he wants to answer it but Ben, have you heard this story before
0: i have never heard this story before um but uh i think in shane's defense on that there are several reasons why that story could be entirely true and uh that would still be the case and two of them are one of which is that shane alluded to earlier uh, that he was thinking about writing about it, and um, uh, and the second one is I actually think the ethical uh, complexities of the story um, might have inhibited his telling it um, uh, uh, earlier in his career. Um,
3: okay. So I don't. Can, think I, say, can I say something on that? By the way. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Sure. And you didn't ask me this question, but if there's a question of why have you kept this secret for such a long time, it would have been, and I have changed my mind about this subsequently, but I think it would have been very strange to tell people that I had applied to work at an agency that I was actively covering. Yeah, that's that's what I I Even though I didn't go to work there.
0: I I think that that's what I mean when I say the ethical complexities might have inhibited discussion of it. I had a... uh, Uh, Not wholly dissimilar uh, interaction, not with um, which was actually, I think, more ethically difficult um, uh, with uh, some people at the Federal Communications Commission um, uh, when I was about the same age. I think there is a like these things come up and you don't really as a 24 or 25 year old, you don't really know who to talk to about them. Um All right, your second question, Kate.
1: No, that's not. You know, um, you're yeah, reserving. I'm very okay. curious.
0: I have uh, a, a, an initial question here. I um I I'm curious um why you your attitude toward the government executive people wasn't to say hey i'm being recruited by the fbi um how like how do i handle that is um like it's an it's an immediate challenge to your ability effectively to produce the story in question um why why didn't you go back and talk to your editor about it
3: so at the time i had an editor named Anne laurent who was like my mentor <clears throat> and i was very confident that if i told her this um she would be furious at me first of all and not just because of like the ethically dubious proposition that i was engaging in but that she would basically be like what the hell is wrong with you you're gonna go work for this organization that's like you know uh, you know i wouldn't say she thought the fbi was corrupt but she's like you know like It's not a good guy bad guy thing, but it's like you know we're we're on we're we're on the bright side of the line, and this is like you know you're going to like join the state, and I thought better of you. She was very much and very much is of the kind of, you know, vein of journalists that you know is like I F Stone, right? It's like we're there to be like the ink stained wretches throwing the bricks through the window, And, and she would have seen me as somebody who is somehow joining up with like you know the opposition, and. I just didn't have the guts to tell her, to be honest.
0: All right, Christopher Argyris, your first question.
2: Um, okay, when when you did the polygraph, uh, did, they, did they ask you? Did they ask you all the questions in 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 advance, like over the phone, or just in in some other venue besides being hooked up to the polygraph?
3: I'm trying to remember because the guy who like quasi recruited me was saying to me, basically, this is how it's going to go. And so in that sense, I feel like I was being prepped a little bit for it. And I I do remember having a, a sense of the kinds of things that they were going to ask when they did the exam. The thing that threw me for the loop was when they came back after it was finished.
0: All right, Tom
4: McGuckin, your first question. Well, um, I got a little confused on what I'm supposed to ask Mr. Harris about. But let me ask you this. With, when you Do you still do a lot of research on the FBI?
3: Not as much as I used to, but I, I don't cover them as much. I cover the CIA more.
4: Okay. Well, let me ask you a question that's been in my craw for a long time. This had to do with the email, uh, what, the Wiener email leak from uh, what's her name's computer remember that uh uh-huh. right at the, uh, right at the right before the uh for the uh right yeah. at the before the yeah so i always had the feeling that the new york fbi office had some skeletons in the closet on that and they sort of forced comey into a corner
0: what I mean, Tom, to what, do does to,
4: what does this have to? Do with story? Story? What does this have to do with the story? It's just the game show. Okay, so that that I'm wrong. Okay, let me go back to. <laughs> were it has to about be about whether I'm lying. Right. Okay, all right, fair enough. Listen, let me wait, go on to somebody else because I I have to now think about exactly. I've <laughs> actually had a security check myself and passed, so I, I, right. I I'm so, up on so, him. But so uh, we'll come back to you. All right. <laughs> Mike my This our. is the like corner
3: the reporter episode. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the floor is yours. Nice fire in the background. Nice Very fire. Nice.
1: You look great. I, Hi. I
0: had a kitten, but she left me, so sadly I don't have paws oh. to share. Um, oh. Since you something gave you paws before, and I thought I would share some, but I, I don't have them. I actually don't have any questions. Um, I'm actually just enjoying observing the um, – the what is your reaction to the
1: question beaucoup? All right. this like is you know we got for...
0: one person who's who's not yeah. you, <laughs> <laughs> you guys are cheating you yeah. you, you no, 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 volunteer no,
3: you the the artifact of the the artifact is the story the oh, and the story you was don't told know if it's true and
1: true or not you have to interrogate it
3: i have interrogated it by is... listening to the story i don't know now be able no all right so we're going to dismiss you
0: too we're going to tom says he's ready uh, we're gonna bring him back on to. to this is easier than Sin. I thought, to be honest. <laughs> oh, it's not
1: this. This is not. I cannot. We got a bunch of softies. Where's Daniel Burge? He'll like yell at I'm. Br-
0: I'm bringing Paula on because she'll at yeah, least thrill the great. guest. Yeah. Tom, you're
1: getting fired for Paula. I know that you want to. Be no, no, no.
0: Hot. Tom gets a second chance. Okay. Uh, go for it.
4: Okay. So Shane, when you were looking at, I don't quite understand the ethical part of your thing when you were applying to the fbi you were saying uh i'm a reporter you didn't lie about your background correct
3: no they met me because i was there interviewing them
4: yeah right and uh you didn't the, the part that you didn't tell them was you were still doing a story is that
3: correct i they knew i was there to do a story on fbi information technology modernization they did not know i was working on the hacker story
4: okay so I'm a little confused. Uh, it just seems like reporters will do anything to get information. That's sort of yeah. what a reporter is. So right. why do you consider what you did to have ethical sort of uh, sort of
3: cloudiness to it? Yeah, because we can't. We we you cover can't actually put yourself we don't go work for them. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that would be like, like, you know, I have to, it, it would violate all of my neutrality. It would be like, you know, it's sort of like, it's like, you know, you can't go The exchange cover, you can't go money play for, for a team that you cover. Yeah. Exactly. And then also be on their the ex- payroll.
1: It's really the exchange of money. It's like the legit, yeah. like, it's why I can't take money whenever I like cover, like from Facebook to like be at Facebook. Like I can't go work. I mean, I could go work at Facebook and then that would be a very valid reason to critique my reporting on Facebook going forward. It's like the same thing for like going to work for the FBI. Yeah. Hmm.
0: All right. Paula. Is that your green green, green, for green me? rectangle? Yeah, uh, I'm like the
3: FBI's computers. What? what's
0: with you, Paula? <laughs> you know, you, you, you set me up to wear this dog shirt and then you won't even show your face? Come no, on. I'm,
5: can you hear me at least?
0: Yeah, of course we can hear okay. you. I,
5: I'll try to fix it later. I don't know what's going on with it. Um, I do love the shirt, though. Um, I So my question is, why do you think they're still delaying you when you go there now? Because I think uh, either first, if they were fucking with you, then mm-hmm. they clearly know that you're not a security risk. Or mm-hmm. B they were being serious but clearly you're not a security risk because you know it's years later and well you seem like a nice person and so why do you think they still do that
3: i think i think it's just a basic bureaucratic incompetence i think that in the course of my background check you know this apparently for them significant red flag came up based on what they consider to be my you know canoodling with foreign criminals um and that it's just flagged in the database like as this guy is a security risk and he's trying to get into our building and then it just sticks there the same way that like it's impossible to get yourself off of the secondary screening list at tsa in the airport if you've been flagged for something Um, I mean, I no longer think that they think I'm a security risk. I think it's just, it's like stuck in the file and they like just aren't deleting it. And frankly, I go down there so rarely and I find it amusing that I've never actually tried to resolve it.
0: All right, Paul, uh, 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 Kate, your second question. That's you, Kate.
1: I know I'm like I'm like I'm like approaching the camera trying to like to think of something to say that I actually wanted to well I guess my question would be uh why haven't you told Ben this story before
3: Um partly because again there was I think there's just been a little bit of a hang up for me of did I do the right thing and when this stupid Um also Like not that I think that Ben would write about this, but I feel like if I told Ben about this, I feel like Ben would try to get me to write about this, and he would like want to have me on a podcast to talk about it. And the truth is just like that I always wanted to write the story myself and kind of be like a very first person essay about
1: it. he just did get you to grab a one. to talk yeah, about it. Yeah, but it's it.
3: just because we're not we're going we're to do it at the post after all. It's just like we have too many irons in the fire right now. And it's just like there's – I have other more pressing projects. And my editor was just like, just move on. This is not for us. Don't do, don't do it. Um, I did not ask him whether I should come on and talk about it, but that's okay.
0: Here, my second question is, which coffee shop was it?
3: Well now it's a poll I don't remember what it was back then, but it's the one like right around the corner from like 10th and like 10th. It's I want. I feel like is it like near the Navy Memorial or something like that? But like, do you know like that like that that, that building? Like it's like a very it's like a half moon shape. It's not far from. Uh, where is it um, in uh, reference
0: where... to the the Hotel Harrison?
3: No, all the... that's, I think the Hotel Harrison is further, like, so if you're looking, if you're standing at the coffee shop going in, like, on your left is Penn, and the hotel would be, like, a block up and over on 10th or on 9th, I want to say. But that's, like, at 9th and thought... H or 10th and H. Okay. It's north, it's south, it's southeast of the Hotel Harrington. <clears throat> okay.
0: Mr. argerus
2: your third question.
3: The second. second question. <laughs> uh,
2: Shane, can you um, reiterate or clarify where in the sequence of you meeting with this fellow um, was? Was it? Did he? Did he ask? Did he offer? Did he tell you to, to apply? Um, offer you the job, or offer you to apply? Did you accept? saying you're going to, yes, I will apply. W- was that all in the same meeting or is this over a sequence of, of meetings?
3: So it was over a sequence. So <clears throat> the way it went is that I, I have my interview where I'm interviewing him for a story, him and his colleague. He walks me out of the building uh, and that's when he starts the conversation. Have you ever considered coming to work for the FBI or for the US government? But he also says I the Bureau. And that's where he did the weird thing where he took my visitor's badge and said, you know essentially you know i'll be giving you a call uh and then six weeks go by and he calls we go to the coffee shop for the first time and he basically pitches me on applying for the bureau
0: tom
4: your second okay. question yeah you know you've had a lot of people on here called cypher and that lady that used to be an fbi agent now is, i think works for yale um uh, uh, What again? Remember any
1: rate.
4: They seem to have this impression that the FBI is very rigid in its sort of procedural things, and that this this leads to the uh, the acronym uh, famous but incompetent. Have your feelings about the uh, FBI changed since what you dealt with was a rather rigid procedure? Uh, that didn't flex, have they, do you know anything how they've evolved since then? I mean, that's, I guess, the uh, more open-ended question, not so much on your yeah. story, but, uh, but it just wanted to get your impression of that.
3: I mean, I will just say that, I mean, and for the purposes of keeping it about this story, I think as a young reporter, this experience was a, like, object lesson for me in what I consider to be bureaucratic incompetence and paranoia. And like, and like the idea that, I mean, again, my first reaction was this is a setup. And then I'm like, there's no way they could be clever enough to do this as a setup. Like they think the fact that I was emailing with, you know, hackers, which I was like, somehow disqualifies me from working for the FBI. And it's like, this is stupid, you know? And if, and if that, if that's what gets me dinged after you like, weirdly met me in a coffee shop and tried to get me to come work for you you're not going to get anybody to come work for you so i would say you know it left me with a pretty you know diminished view of their certainly their hiring strategies which they were like shouting to the roof oh it's a new day at the fbi we're gonna hire these innovative people and break them old like whatever i mean you still can't. Lie. I mean, and, and, and I knew at the time that people often had a very hard time getting security clearances if they lived abroad, if they had family who lived abroad. And people were constantly telling me, including FBI, ex-FBI agents, how stupid that was and how much it was blocking qualified people from getting jobs.
0: Paula, your second question.
5: Okay. Can you at least hear me? I can't figure we can out. I can
0: hear okay. you just fine. you're you you're doing your doctor doom imitation of being a disembodied voice.
5: I'm trying. I'm not good with computers. Um, so <laughs> I was wondering, do you think the person the the guy who pulled off your badge and I'm assuming the you said manager upper manager, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. Still works there, and Do you know that or do you know anything about him or what happened to him? I'm assuming it's a him, I think.
3: It's a him. Uh, And I've decided not to disclose his name simply because, like, I I don't think it's germane to the story. I don't really want to, frankly, get him in trouble. Um, uh, Because in the end, I don't think that I, you know, it was just a weird situation. I don't know if he's still there. When I met him, he must have been, to look at him, like, remember, I was 25. To look at him, I would have thought that he was in his mid-40s. For all I know, he was, like, 38 um but he could still be there i mean he was a fairly senior person given that he was working on it program management stuff i assume he like cashed out and went to go work for raytheon or something
0: yeah and and most you know for most fbi are on a uh 20 year retire at 20 year retire at 50 uh program so it's probably uh not there anymore um Kate, your last question.
1: Uh, Did you ever find out if he, if the guy who plucked the badge off of you was in fact uh, of your same sexual persuasion or not, or was that ever revealed? Did
3: Did not. And I would, it was just a very, it was, I'm just, it was flirty. It was just flirty. And I, again, I couldn't tell. I was like, is this something that men do with each other? like as a like a, like a straight man thing, like a male dominance kind of thing? Um, I will say though, I didn't get any vibe from him in our subsequent meetings. It didn't that was the one, it just felt weird and I, I, I look back on it and wonder if he was actually what he was trying to do was be like like secretive or dramatic somehow. and it just made me feel awkward.
0: All right. I, I want to focus on the how you evaluate it in retrospect. You went through a period in the moment where you thought it was the whole thing, the whole application process was an elaborate ruse to get you to disclose sources yeah. among the hackers. But now you don't think that's what it was.
3: So no, I think not. What yeah.
0: what what caused you to change your mind and uh, decide that it was just a a a silly incompetence thing um, rather than a clever ruse to get you talking about sources?
3: I think the more that I reported on, which I was doing at the time too, on the security clearance process, because remember, like in addition to tech modernization. The whole streamline the security clearance process was one of those big post-9-11 initiatives. So I was doing reporting on that. And it just became clear to me how like cumbersome that process is and how people get dinged for stuff that seems like they shouldn't be getting dinged for it. Um, and frankly, like again, just the more I wrote about the bureau and realizing that it's just a giant bureaucracy. And you know, I don't think I appreciated this at that time, but later, you know. I can see now when I was a young reporter who had not written a ton about like privacy and, you know, investigatory rules, like it would be insane for them to do something like that. Like they're not going to like try and uh, trick an American journalist into divulging sources by having him apply for a job there. At At age 25, when my only introduction to the FBI was really about like computers and old computers, I didn't have enough knowledge or sophistication to understand that this was something they would almost certainly never do.
0: Sorry, Uh, your last question, Christopher.
2: Okay, Um, what was the status of your hacker story um, when when you were ultimately, rejected and did you go on to publish publish the story or did you abandon the story um concurrently with your rejection
3: yeah so mm. the uh the, the, the status of the story at the time i was like quote unquote rejected was it had not been published yet uh but i did go on uh to publish the story it published in i think
0: which you're not allowed to google
3: no, I will. Okay, then I won't say anything about when, so you're not tempted. But yes, I did ultimately publish the story about a joint FBI CIA operation to take down a um, proto hacker, basically.
0: All right, Tom McGuckin,
4: your last question. Okay, can you hear me? We can. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll just uh, go ahead with it. Listen, let's move on to what the Wall Street mm-hmm. Journal might react to this okay. In other words, now that you've outed this story, uh, I've had other people that have been outed. Uh, what do you think they're your editors? Uh, uh, I have uh, people that complain about editors all the time. okay, yeah. uh, what do you think your editors are gonna think?
3: Well, I mean I think that you know some indication of that is you know what they've already said, which is like you know, interesting story uh i'm not really necessarily sure why we would put it in the washington post if you're asking me do my editors think that i was wrong to apply for a job at the fbi no i mean it was a long time ago i was young i think that and you know i don't know that they would ever say this to my face because we're not publishing the story um i think that they probably would look at this and say you should have disclosed it to your employer at the time. But again, to be clear, like I thought I wasn't also thought, I also thought I wasn't supposed to. That's another piece of this too. Like, I mean, aren't you supposed to be secretive when you're applying for these jobs? I'm like, no, not really. I mean, you can tell someone you're applying for the FBI. I think CIA, you're not supposed to tell people, uh, but FBI, I think you can tell people. But yeah, I I mean, again, it was a long time ago, but I think they probably, I mean, maybe the reason that we're not publishing it is because they're like, we're saving you from yourself.
0: Paula, your last question
5: um yeah have I'm sure like you know a lot of people who used to work in the CIA um, or FBI have you ever asked them what they think of the story because I can say from an outsider's perspective like it sounds kind of ridiculous like that type of procedure because I don't understand how anyone could ever work at the FBI then don't we all know, Don't we all have like contacts outside or like not contacts. We all know people who live outside the United States. We've all traveled outside the United States or a lot of people.
3: Yeah. I mean, I've never told the story in this level of detail, but what I have come to understand from talking to lots of people about security clearance investigations is, you know, they are going to check out your foreign contacts and that can complicate things for you. It's not an insurmountable obstacle, right? I mean, the thing that gets you tripped up, for real is if you don't disclose your foreign contacts, unless you're Jared Kushner, in which case you get a TSSCI clearance uh, from your father-in-law. But, um, you know, people can have foreign contacts. They can have travel abroad. Like that wasn't the issue. The issue for them, again, what this guy was strongly suggesting was that they thought that I was actively like colluding with foreign agents. Like this wasn't like he lived in Salamanca, for three or four months in 1997 and knows people who are still in spain it was he's in touch with foreign people who are like considered like criminals by the u.s government which of course i am i'm a journalist covering computer security so that was the thing i think that became the we can't get past this piece
0: all right we are ready for the big reveal i think um don't you have one more uh, question? Uh, I thought, haven't we all gone through all our questions? Okay. Oh, um, last
1: count of mine. Yeah, I think, but... I
0: think everybody's done with their question, which means in reverse order, we're going to do uh, what people's judgment are. Let's start. This is your last chance to vote, folks. Shane was up as high as like 56% thought he was telling the truth. He's down to about 53%. It's a close vote among the audience, but he's got it narrowly. It's enough to win the governorship in Virginia, fifty-three. Um, which I also ran for once. Which he also ran for once. All right, Paula, your verdict is Shane full of shit.
5: Um, I'm gonna say yes. Uh, he like the story; it was told really well, but I can't get over the fact. Of like not telling your employer that that was going on and like juggling both of those things, like how do you even manage that? I don't know. That seems like a lot. Like I would have told someone. I can't keep secrets. No. So,
0: all right. So uh, we've got uh, you've got a narrow victory among the uh, 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 among the audience, the canine chorus. But uh, you're uh, you don't have Paula. What well, do you have, Jim McGuckin?
4: Um, I uh, I uh, like the story simply because I don't think he has incentive really to lie. Okay, why would he be doing it? And so I, I well, have John a- Roush didn't have incentive to lie
0: too, and he made up a whole yarn about the Atlantic sending him to, to
4: hire a prostitute. Well, that's a story. <laughs> Now, maybe he's here to tell his story, but I, I just uh, give him a thumbs up here and, and say that, you know, I'll continue to read his columns.
3: Okay? All right. Thank you, Tom.
4: So we
0: got, we got a vote of confidence from, from Jim McGuckin. Christopher Argyris, what do you have to say on this story?
2: I'm going to say, like Joe's painting behind Shane, uh, the, the story is mostly within the lines of the orange and yellow, but there is some of the outside green, green, uh, green shading. What does
1: that even
0: mean, you
2: don't dude? I
1: not
2: mean anything,
0: Chris. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, it's- I love that answer, but we need a yes or no. He's telling the truth or he's yes, full he of shit. Truth. Yes. He's telling the truth. Kate, what we got from you?
2: No, he's full of
1: shit.
0: Wow. <laughs> two to two. So I break the tie here. By the way, the audience is slowly moving in the direction of your lying, too. You're down to <laughs> 50 points. <laughs> he getting,
1: he's getting a little bit more giggly as, like, it gets closer. All right.
0: right, <laughs> I, I, Here's my evaluation of this. I think... Um, so first of all, there are some important indicia of truth here. Okay. Um, it is true, absolutely true, that the FBI in this period was a very much struggling with the integrity of its computer systems. Um, and that that is exactly the sort of thing that government executive magazine would have been spending a lot of energy on. Um, it is also true that in this period, uh, they were really struggling with the question of, okay, what's the kind of recruit that we want for our analytical uh, shop? They were trying to develop analytic capacity, which is something they didn't traditionally have in the CT space. And so a bright young 25 year old comes in uh, from and asks really good questions It's a totally plausible thing that some senior person who's involved in the kind of reorientation under Mueller taps him on the shoulder or plucks the idea that this is the kind of person we're after. Um, I am, it is also completely plausible that once you are in a flagged system, you never get out of it, no matter how many times you walk into the building. And so somebody says, call this number, they'll clear it up, and you have to do it every time for 20 years. That's exactly the way the Bureau functions. If a bomb goes off, they are super good at figuring out who did it and everyone they've ever spoken to about everybody anything but you know getting a system to work well is just not the shit they do um and so i think there is nothing implausible about this story the one thing that bothers me about it is that i've never heard it before um and despite that i think it's true um, so that's my vote, um, Shane. What's the big reveal?
3: It's not true. We <laughs> <laughs> knew happen.
1: it. I knew
0: it. This did not I happen. Knew. What part of it? What part? Okay. it's like,
3: true. There is a I'm part of it that reason, is true.
1: I would have. I was one hundred percent with you for all. Like I actually believed you well into this, and then all of a sudden I realized there's no way that <laughs> Wittis doesn't know this fucking story. There's just no way. That's like, that was the thing that was like, that And can thing I tell
3: about. you, can I tell you, Kate, when I decided this was a story I was going to tell, I was like, this is the one part of the story that's going to screw me. It's going to be like, there's no way you didn't tell him this story. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, And like, yeah, yeah, it happened before I met him. So wait, what part of the story is true? The part of the story (laughs) that is true is that yes, I did go down and do an interview uh, at the bureau about their IT systems. And the project manager guy did walk me out and did say, "Have you ever thought about working for the FBI?" And did pluck the thing off and said, "I like giving <laughs> you a call." And he was totally flirting with me. Just to be clear, like this, and I was like, "You don't want to work for the FBI. You want to take me out and like, yeah, and like, not drive <laughs> yeah. back to your wife in Vienna." Okay, gross. He never called. He never called. He never called. There was nothing followed up about that. So you've never um,
0: been denied a security clearance.
3: Never even applied for one.
0: Nope.
3: Uh, Although the story I, about the uh, the hackers, uh, the, the FBI, CIA operation, uh, that story is true. But I was not in touch with any hackers for that story. That story you can go read in government executive magazine. It's called The Worm That Turned, A New Approach to Hacker Hunting.
0: That's so We great. are going to leave it there. Oh Shane Harris, amazing. like Jonathan Rauch, uh, fools me, does not fool Kate Klonick.
2: Um, <laughs> um, I like the it's glo-
1: actually like a weird part of this That like the tell for me is like how Other people react to the truth of the story It's like a collective intelligence Question but yes
0: We are gonna leave it there We will be back tomorrow For cheese night There will be A oh wait we have a surprise for you Uh a surprise Sign off Um oh yeah Uh uh Shane Harris, you're a great American. We will be back tomorrow for cheese night. Uh, That'll be 22 hours and 58 minutes from now. And until then, Eve Gouman wearing lion shirt.
1: Wow. To match her hair. Yeah.
5: So we're we're not allowed to have fun, but we are allowed to have increasingly funky wardrobes. Wardrobes.
2: Indeed. <laughs> yeah. <Nice.
1: laughs> so true. Thanks.